Are we living with gods among us? And if so, how, if at all, are they connected to us? Filmmaker and consciousness researcher Caroline Corey lays out a compelling thesis that not only are we living in the midst of a broader range of intelligent life, but that there's actually science to show that this is the case. In her groundbreaking documentary film, Gods Among Us, The Science of Contact, Caroline illustrates with fascinating narrative, first-person accounts, and interviews with some of the top researchers in the field that non-human intelligence has and continues to play an integral role in the lives of many. I sat down with Caroline on site at the 2017 Contact in the Desert to discuss her film and the paradigm-changing implications that no longer can be denied. Caroline, at the open of this beautiful film, Gods Among Us, you begin by setting the stage of talking of your own experiences, which you say began at five. We have a lot of territory to cover today, but I think it would be apropos for you to start with your own experiences. What were they? So I decided to start talking about this experience because for the longest time I didn't want to share my personal experience. It wasn't about me, it was about the information. But I feel at this point it is relevant because so many people can relate yes. to an experience like that that they had or they have children that have invisible friends or can see spirit or what have you. So I decided to start the film with my experience at the age of five, yeah. which was actually an encounter with a consciousness. Uh, so uh, I was just hanging out in my parents' living room and all of a huh. sudden there was this huge amount of light and it felt like a group of beings that just showed up there mm -hmm. and so at that time I noticed that I could see this little energy I could literally see them and hear them and feel them them and so more than one yes okay yes. so it looked like kind of like a bubble of energy but as I connected with them you know the brain doesn't function in the same way as you and I are talking right now mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. when you come in contact with that sort of energy it's kind of like your entire brain merges with that consciousness mm. and I could just understand everything about them in that split second and we started communicating telepathically so um, they kind of showed me that uh, when they were trying to convey something to me, it was condensed in one code, a, a tiny little code that gets transferred into mm -hmm. my consciousness and then gets translated by my human brain. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, that experience was huge because it set me off on a new way of discerning subtle energy, discerning different beings and understanding that we are communicating telepathically with invisible even unconsciously would you say Absolutely. is this going on okay Absolutely. well okay we're just coming out of the gate here but I have so many questions already you have such a lucid way of distilling how that process is happening and you do actually go into the telepathic component in your film um, but at five years old how obviously or I shouldn't say obviously I don't want to assume you weren't um, understanding it in that way that that process or were you well that's the point and that's the reason why I wanted to talk about it because 
it is an organic spontaneous mechanism that everyone is capable of doing and is doing right now and uh -huh. so when you're a child you're more open to these sorts of things so uh, that's why you hear about again children who have invisible friends mm. imaginary friends and because they're open and but with time we stop ourselves we, we unlearn exactly we unlearn exactly right. but it is the most spontaneous organic easy effortless mechanism that exists in fact it is meant to be this way because everything is energy yeah. and all energy by definition is resonant and so that's the reason why we are communicating whether we know it or not I love it that's great well we're, we're starting to go down uh, a rabbit hole already <laughs> but before we go too far I'm going to show this beautiful trailer of God's Among Us in a moment um, as a matter of fact I think I'm going to show it right now I think this is a perfect time so you get to see the brilliance of this film in about two minutes so let's take a look at that right now awesome. a few extraterrestrials wandering around the humanoid ones so we've got them walking amongst us they weren't human at all these were extraterrestrials standing there examining me in the room i thought they were very elegant about seven feet tall they live aboard their spacecraft which is sort of in earth's atmosphere they would bring me to the planet and introduce me to other kids my age and we would play together and i asked him if i could hold his hand I wanted to know what it felt like to touch them. And I wanted to know it was real. So what you do is you, you take the experiences that people talk about and you operationalize it. How is this even possible uh, that higher dimensional energies can be downloaded or brought down into our ordinary four dimensions of space-time reality? The quantum wave which is the description of all nature, instantaneously propagated the consciousness of the Houston handler to the moon. This is not an American phenomenon. This is not a Western phenomenon. This is a global phenomenon. There's not only thousands, there's potentially millions of people out there that are living this double life. They will lead us into telepathic abilities they will lead us into abilities to heal ourselves, to literally change our body. DNA treatment number two. What's interesting is the actual uh, number, the magnitude of the changes that I've been seeing in the past when energy treats the DNA, this is a robust, strong effect. There are layers of codes. There's thousands of codes layered on top of each other. You touch one part, it touches 10 other parts. All of this information is actually following lines. It comes through this multidimensional grid system. This means interdimensional information is going to happen instantly in locations like these. Human DNA in our body can exist as a toroid to bring in higher dimensional energies into our physical body, convert them into electromagnetic fields, which then the body can use to regulate the physiological and biochemical processes associated with human. I believe this is the theory of everything.
beautiful. Awesome. Absolutely beautiful. And by the way, folks, you can go, I'm going to tell you right now, godsamongus.com and get not just one trailer, but two. And I think the second one is a longer uh, version. But in, invariably, you got to see the film. Let's get into some of the, the details of this film. Let's start with who you were able to interview for this film. We're talking academics, researchers, regression therapists, some of which I know, and the experiencers. How did you come to put together such a beautiful spectrum of, of uh, individuals? So what I wanted to do was not just talk about it, because you can go to YouTube and there's lots right. of people talking about it. And mm -hmm. what I wanted to do is make it a real, credible phenomenon because it is real, because it is credible. And so that's the reason why I chose experiencers that felt very authentic to me, mm -hmm. and also researchers that were extremely credible. Um, you know, and, and, and the scientists, so, so what's very special about this film is the science. So I wanted to bring the science mm -hmm. of that mechanism. How does it really, really work? Mm -hmm. And so I looked for scientists, first of all, who not only were capable of speaking about it or speculating. Right. I wanted scientists to have done research even in that area. And um, for example, um, the, the, the first uh, researcher, I'm sorry, scientist, the first scientist that um, I wanted to have was Glenn Ryan because he has done a, a lot of um, research and experiments on human DNA. Uh, and I was very much wanting to do something with that. And so you that, did. We're yes, going to talk yes, about yes, that. Yes, oh, this yes. is great, folks. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, also when we spoke about the mechanism, the me mechanics of the universe, I didn't want <coughs> just any sort of quantum physicist who can speculate again. I looked for a specific uh, person, Dr. Rudy Shield, yes. who is an astrophysicist yes. from Harvard, Smithsonian. And because his specialty is um, black holes, mm -hmm. and um, you know, black holes in the scientific community, everybody's is still kind of wondering what it's about, what it's for. But right. for me, having worked with consciousness and unconsciousness all this time for many, many, many years, right. I understood the relationship between black holes and what we call zero point and geometric alignment of the human brain with a cosmic web that allows or ex can explain uh, telepathic communication, communication with other dimensions, and so on and so forth. So that's why I had to have him. Yeah. Well, I, again, a great lineup. In fact, we'll mention a few of the names. We'll start with one of my faves, Mary Rodwell. Oh, yes. What she, you know, what I love, Caroline, is that each, each individual, although there was a common thread and a, a, really a credibility that woven together collectively, they made that case. They each came from a different perspective that really added credence to the entire picture. Mary Rodwell, Barbara Lamb, whom I also know quite well, Dr. Dean Radin. Yes. Who doesn't love from Ions? David Jacobs, Rebecca Hardcastle, right? The list goes on. And I want to talk about some of the things that they said and also the experiencers. Um, but I, getting back to the science part of this, and you make that pretty clear up front, 
what it is you were trying to accomplish or convey to the audience in, uh, in, in building this case. And I think the audience needs to know right off the bat, because we've talked about this on the show before, how important the quantum hologram theory of consciousness is and how you so beautifully wove that in uh, to this film. Let's talk about that for a bit. We're not going to get too scientific, although <laughs> our audience can, uh, they're pretty smart, they're pretty with it, but um, so I think they'll, they'll follow along. But this is important because it goes way beyond the woo-woo at this point. There is a science to ET contact. Is there not? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, what I started to talk about to, um, to with these scientists, I start talking about the structuring and patterning of space itself. So with the structuring and patterning of space, we realized with Dr. Shield that that actually explained how telepathic communication happens from mm -hmm. a physics standpoint. So we were able to relate how this quantum hologram theory mm -hmm. that talks about black holes and how black holes has have a magnetic, um, a very strong magnetic field mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. can store information on the surface of the black hole. So this means if you are thinking or sending any sort of information, that information is being stored on the actual fabric of space. And if black holes are positioned in very strategic, let's call it, strategic or specific hologram-like structure, then all of the black holes are resonant to each other. Wow. Which means whatever happens on this at this black hole happens at all of the black Absolutely. holes. Absolutely, and you do have a visual where you're you basically have a diagram, and and you're sort of I, I suppose superimposed on it. But it is such a perfect. It's not. It's it's a word picture, but it's an actual picture that the layperson can understand. I mean, this is complex stuff. We're talking about the multi-dimensional dimensionality, I should say, of reality, and yet when you apply the science to it. And again, in a way that you so brilliantly articulated, I think it's clear that there's something really uh, important going on. I want to get right into the experience or testimony, because to me, that was, if I were to pick and choose, probably the most compelling. I, have a, I think I have a penchant for the experiencer aspect of this, and my audience knows as I've covered this, this topic in, in great depth at this point. Uh, the anecdotes cannot be, of course, this is less of a science uh, a scientific process and more of a storytelling, but they're corroborating each other, Caroline. Yes. Let's talk about the, the, I believe there were three young people, maybe four, one young woman, beautiful young woman, and three young men. And talk about that exp the experience for you in interviewing them. So articulate, so passionate. Let's talk about that for a bit. I loved those kids. I, sure. I could not believe my ears and my eyes just watching them talk about their experiences. Yeah. This is beyond just intelligence. Yes. This is wisdom. I mean, seriously, yes. you hear that Zach is 19 years old. Is he the one with the sort of longer yes. hair? Yes. And Very impressive. Yeah. He, uh, connected with Nikola Tesla at the age of nine. You gotta hear this. And <laughs> it's really I mean, something. But the way he explains the, the information that he got, uh, brilliant. 
I mean, you can tell that he is tapping or he is bringing through his universal consciousness and much, much bigger awareness. So it is so refreshing, you know, to find those young kids. They're not kids. Well, you were one of them at five years old. <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, guess. seriously. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was amazing just watching them and talking to them and uh, hearing them. So I really I'm looking forward to people to, you know to sh sharing them to, with the, absolutely the viewers yeah. because you start to wonder is this really or could this be the future generation? I mean, uh, because it's it's very very hopeful. I mean, we're talking about individuals who can make sense of uh, consciousness at a very young age. They talk about universal principles. They talk about uh, energy in a way that makes sense, that brings oneness to the planet. I mean, these kids, <laughs> again, they have uh, experiences with their own higher self, but with other beings with such clarity and detail and precision yeah. and can download star language. And Let's talk about the star language. <laughs> now this is something that Mary Rodwell has spoken uh, extensively about and has also goes into quite uh, uh, detail in her book The New Human. This to me is something that goes, obviously it's beyond logic and, and I don't think uh, logic need not apply here, but in the film you do, I believe there are two of the young ones who you asked to go into a bit of the star language. Let's talk about that a little bit, and I don't know if we, we may be able to get a little piece of that footage as well um, to hear this. Now, obviously, most people are not going to understand what this means, but again, look at the hand signals or the hand language that accompanies the body movements, and let's look at how they're getting how they're interpreting or translating to get the star language through telepathy. So it's kind of a two-part thing I want to tackle here. Let's talk about the star languages. What are they and how are they coming through the voice? So, you know, it's a little bit like what I started talking about with my experience. These are codes. codes. And so, so the codes are universal codes, meaning if, you know, everybody has a brain, a human brain, but everybody has also the bigger brain. It's kind of what I call the universal consciousness. At that time, your brain functions differently. It's your entire brain that's tapping into the entire universe. And so that part of your brain is shared by all other intelligent life. Like a mainframe, uh, yeah, in a way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, okay. so what happened is that it's kind of like we're speaking in a human language and our universal brain is also speaking with everybody else. That's how it works. And so if you set your intent specifically, okay, I want to bring one of those messages that are floating around through, then you can kind of con condense that information and, and translate them. So these codes can be right away translated you know, through your human brain, through your human voice, and then you hear the star language come out. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's kind of a skill, obviously you have to get used to of doing that, but everybody is actually tapping into this universal language. I find this so interesting. This is the second time you've mentioned that in this conversation that really nobody is precluded mm. from this. This is not a club. 
We know that there's some people that uh, are considered, uh, have far more of a proclivity for whatever reason for psychic ability and, and extraordinary experience. But at the core, we are all, we can't not be connected to it. How is it that some are consciously recognizing it and using it and frankly the majority are not yes. or is that changing you think uh, I hope so <laughs> yeah but you're right the majority is not and I think this has to do with society yeah. you know you grow up and people tell your parents you start with your parents telling you okay you don't talk to invisible people right there's nobody it's there stop that you know it's, it's, it's you know so you start getting, getting that feedback and also the educational system, of course, does not support that. And we're also programmed. Yes. I really feel, speaking of DNA, at the core of the human being, there is a programming. And we're talking on a collective consciousness level for thousands of years. Agreed. It's not just since, Agreed. you know, the last elections or what have you. <laughs> so there's something very um, fundamental at the core of the human consciousness. Um, and that programming has to do with I'm not good enough. Um, it's based on lack. It's based on and separation, limitation, right. limitation, on competition, comparison. That makes you separate from others. And because of that, when you have some sort of connection with the divine, it's almost, and I see that because I work with people on one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. sometimes, helping them process that experience. Mm -hmm. And because and, sometimes it's traumatic and misunderstood. I noticed that at the time that you are having this divine experience, sometimes it's an amazing, beautiful experience, but you, but that programming kicks in. Who am I to have to connect with this angel? Right. Who am I to have this almost a sense of guilt, yeah, exactly. or inadequacy? Exactly. That's a big thing. And, that, yeah. and then you shut it off. Right. So, right. And sometimes the fear kicks in. Sure. And then you create trauma around it, and you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Well, you got it. I'm tempted to go down that rabbit hole, uh, Caroline, <laughs> because I think that is a. And and my audience knows we do. We go to those little black corners in terms of what went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about the fall from consciousness and what or who is behind it. But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to put that on the back burner for okay. a little while. We may come back and and uh, tackle that at another at another time, but I want to stick with the positivity of this because this is a, a a film that is positive. It's inspiring. It is confirming to all of those that may be in that category that you just talked about. They're having these experiences. They, they can't quantify it. And then, aha, I'm not the only one. How many times do we hear that? Absolutely. Uh, thinking you're, you're in a little box having this exper these experiences. Um, so that, that's a big factor. Let's talk about what, what I would say are the three primary areas that you tackled from a, a scientific or a quantum perspective. And that's, again, the telepathic link. Um, PK, psychokinetics, <laughs> which is phenomenal, and the zero-point field. If you could say maybe a thing or two, we've talked about the telepathy a bit, if, if there's something you want to add, but I'd like to, because I, I think you were so strategic in how you weave those themes together and segue so beautifully from one to the other. Um, the PK, psychokinesis. Um, I think most of our audience uh, probably knows what that is, but for those that don't, 
Let's talk about that for a minute and how that plays into this whole thing. So again, I wanted to bring as much science as possible on camera and mm -hmm. not just talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so we were so lucky that not only one person, but one physicist, mm -hmm. quantum physicist, mm -hmm. Dr. George Weiss, um, has been working with the telekinesis and psychokinesis for a while. And what it is actually, it's the ability of your consciousness to affect your physical reality and an actual physical uh, object mm -hmm. in a non-causal way meaning without any um, understandable or, or or in a way that cannot be understood by science sure. today anyway and so we did an experiment on camera as well where he demonstrated that he was able by focusing his intent he was able to move an object now the implications of that mm -hmm. is is massive because are massive because what this means is wait a minute wait a minute if i just moved this little piece of object without touching it is it possible that i could direct my focus maybe on uh, something an organ in my body and shift something in there maybe get a bacteria out or some sort of something out why not? I mean, this is huge. It's actually what we call mind over, over matter. matter. That's right. And so the reason why this is very, very important in the film as well, in the context of the film, um, I wanted to include it to explain how something outside of us that is sending their intent on us, is it possible that they could be affecting us? Or are we all crazy? And so that's, that was the way we introduced it in the film and we showed that it is possible that someone's intent directed at one physical object, whether it be a UFO, flying a UFO, wanting it to move in this direction or move in that direction or at your body wanting it to teleport here or there or what yeah. have you or also the experiments with it with the dna that also supports we're going to talk about that yeah, too that's the big major, success story yes, yes, yes. you know i want to say for the record, folks, yes. you will soon see when you see the film that Caroline is not just the creator, the producer, the director, the narrator, but the, can I say guinea pig? <laughs> <laughs> she, put her, she put herself into using your own wonderful skill in terms of affecting DNA. I don't know if I want to spill the beans right now, but again, just in completely impressive. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, like I said, I've been working with consciousness and healing for a very, very long time. That's how I started. I didn't start out as a filmmaker. I became a filmmaker to demonstrate, to do this, to, right. do this, to show all of this work in a film, on a film platform. Yeah, right. But um, so, so I've always worked with healing energy and things like that. And I know that I've affected many, I mean, you have test results. Right. One minute is this, and then the next minute is not. Well, so, so because of that, I was quite confident. And then when we were filming, you know, when you do a documentary, mm. you kind of, you have to be open to whatever happens. Yeah. So now we start thinking, okay, so should we get another person to do this experiment? How does it fit in a story? And, and we said, well, let's just, it was spontaneous, actually. It uh -huh. wasn't planned. Right. And the Which first, is the best. Yeah. yeah. The first time I, we said, you know what, I'm just going to try and just see what happens. And then we'll go from there. And then we can decide if we need to bring other people. And of course, we tested the DNA with a DNA sample 
and we projected energy and the I mean the results were mind-blowing I mean mind-blowing the hair standing on your yes. arm sort of thing Wow. The scientists could not believe what just happened. Yeah. I mean, so do you have any outtakes that, uh, or, you know, little pieces that we're not supposed to see, but be really like the, oh my God, it really worked. Do you? Uh, <laughs> it would be great to show those. Well, yeah. I mean, so actually, yeah, when we were there, a few things happened that were like crazy. Yeah. I mean, the machine just like, whoa. And, and then we're, okay, and so this, the, 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 the scientist said, this got to be, it's a mistake. It's got to be a mistake. He was Isn't like retesting it over and over and over. And there are other things also that we did that we are not in the film. Because at one point you have to start editing. You know? Right. You have to. And this is going to be a series. So we're going to. Oh, fantastic. Yes, yes. So, so oh, we're wow. going to put more science in the next one for sure. But another experiment we did was also very spontaneous. It was after the filming, and I told this other team of scientists, Beverly Rubik and uh, Harry Jabs, awesome couple uh, in the Bay Area, and they work with biophoton emission. And then I said, uh, what if we did a long distance, you know, mm -hmm. something, uh, invoking an energy and to see if that biophoton emission happens or not. And they had never done that before. And they had never done that with a being, with, mm -hmm. a, with a spirit being. So again, they were blown away. Their machines were... And just for the viewers, you know, to, to make sure they understand that we were doing it scientifically, meaning what happens is you have to do it over and over of course. and over and measure it. So it wasn't just like... It's hey, replication, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, just to make sure that it's out there. We tried to show it in the film, but with the editing, just to make sure that we went through the rigorous, proper way mm -hmm. of doing it scientifically. Absolutely. And measuring it over and over. And wow, over. beautiful. Well, we're going to take a short break. I, it, you know, I want to keep that momentum going, but I have a feeling we'll be able to pick up right where we left off because this is a really exciting stuff. So hang on, folks. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. destination for transformation okay we're back and I am chomping at the bit because there's still some some juicy stuff I want to get into this to me was really really corroborating I'm gonna use that word again the youth the experiencers talking about recognizing each other during a so-called abduction experience I don't even know if that word was used too much but when taken aboard craft by these beings 
and recognizing each other, those that they knew on or know on the earth, and recognizing these uh, their, their peers, essentially, on the craft. Tell me about that. That's what was so fascinating, because all of these people we in, in, interviewed don't know each other. I mean, like, they maybe have heard of each other, I'm not quite sure, but when we interviewed them, they didn't know at least of the other people's stories. So that's what was so fascinating, because they were saying the same thing. And actually, in terms of editing, that was so interesting. We used a technique called intercutting, which, you know, cutting from one interview to another, to, mm -hmm. because because the stories were, even if we had scripted it that way, it wouldn't have been better. Um, so it's it's uh, so so we people were pretty much finishing each other's stories, and they were all saying similar things about being on that ship, and not necessarily as an abduction. Sometimes they were taken there to be taught something mm -hmm. or shown something, and they were meeting other people on the ship, especially the children they remembered other children that they met on the ship and then uh, they were also meeting them in real life. I mean, how crazy is that? So are you saying that the three or four young people that you interviewed that are featured in the film who did not know each other prior to recognized, so those, in, they were together on the craft. Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh, no, not these four. Not these four, okay. But they were all But this was this a common theme that you were finding. Exactly, That's exactly, really amazing. Exactly. And even the adults, too. They well, let's were, talk about that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, so they would all say that in their personal life, they would meet people that they had met on a ship. So, I mean, it's it starts to get like, what? <laughs> This is always the trillion dollar question. Well, maybe not, because I, I suppose the experiencer would know. Is this a physical re removal from, uh, or uh, is this a physical phenomenon? Yeah. Or is it a holographic yeah. or mental phenomenon or both? Are these individuals, are they telling you that they were physically taken? Really? Yeah. No, it's, it's a good question. And it's actually both. It's both? Yes. Uh, I think maybe most of the time it's the consciousness that's taken on board and then the consciousness has a, an experience and then that consciousness is returned to the body. That's one way. Sometimes the actual body is taken, in which case you are actually transported in a actual ship somewhere else. But like, let's say if the ship is very far away in space, in that particular case it would be your consciousness transported. Mm -hmm. So it's both. It's both. Yes. I find that interesting. <laughs> so let's say it's a it, they're being taken mentally or holographically that that seems to fit for me. That's where that larger brain that you speak of is fully active. Yes, and Absolutely. is recording the experiences. Absolutely. It, and so when they bring it back, they integrate it with the human brain. I was just going to say. Yes, yes, exactly. And then they There's a communication to, between the, the small brain and the large brain, essentially. Exactly. And they start to download that information because that universal brain part is, is absorbing a massive amount of information in codes. Yes. And so when they bring that back into the human body and the human brain, it takes sometimes a little bit of time. So they would come back with some of the information and then a little bit down the road they'd have another aha moment mm -hmm. and then they remember that they picked that up on the ship. You know what I mean? So so that 
uh, large information gets unfolded gradually right through time sometimes over a lifetime yes absolutely absolutely yes you know I'm talking in the work that I'm doing in the research that I'm doing into the experience or phenomenon and it's incredible uh, to listen to the range of stories particularly of the adults who are having epiphanies these days realizing that they too have had experiences perhaps since childhood and they're just now coming to the level of consciousness where they're able to remember them. Uh, I think that is, is quite interesting and quite curious given the times that we're living in. I talk about the proverbial veil thinning um, and with that uh, more revelation of our own experiences are coming to the fore. So, wow. Well, I know we don't have too much time left and uh, we have to talk about the crop circle thing. The crop circle thing, it's a, that's a big story, and there is some incredible footage you have. Um, in fact, you spent a, a good bit of time talking about your experience at, a, I think it was a newly formed crop circle at the time you had visited it, and I've always wanted to do this, have, have yet to be in the presence of a crop circle, but you literally walked amongst the, the shapes and the symbol itself. Tell us about that experience and what you came out of it with. So what happened, we, we were in England, and I don't know if you know about how crop circles happen. It's a whole community, it's a whole culture now. And uh, literally, uh, during the night, a crop circle is made, and then by morning, it's up on that website, and everybody just kind of flocks mm, to, okay. <laughs> to discover it. So I just happened to be there on that very first day. Just um, happened to be. Yeah, of course. Just happened to be. Of course, we had to film it, and we had a beautiful drone camera, so yes. it was fantastic so I wanted to bring that speaking of contact so we're coming in contact with what you know with what is that information speaking of symbols and so so we filmed me going through the crop circle and kind of I wanted to just go off of what I was feeling not worry about what other people tell me or what have you and it was so interesting because I felt that as complex and interesting you know as it may look and people will see that in the film I actually felt a very off weird energy so because you know we talk about is this a hoax is this human made or is it a extraterrestrial it was extraterrestrial you really feel that Absolutely. we talked about this offline okay 100% extraterrestrial well how would you I'm going to stop you right there if I might, Caroline. How, do you, how did you know that? What were you picking up on? And I'm going to, I want to quote you, so don't, don't take the <laughs> quote because I'm going to quote you. But you're, you're certain that this was not a man-made, this wasn't, what, Dan and Dave? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I'm certain. And like I said, I've been doing this a very long time. Since the age of five, I can discern subtle energy. I can discern very, very, very clearly. And it took me a long time to master this ability to discern So, and have validity over and over and over and over. So whatever uh, mechanics or whatever system I have going on, I know it's working, mm -hmm. you know, at least I want to say 98% yeah. sounding. Interesting. But that's really has been my work. So that's why I can say that with confidence. And this consciousness was absolutely, definitely extraterrestrial. Okay. But what was surprising, you know, not so, I mean, because I was really clean slate, not prepared. No expectation. No expectation. Right. And so, so I felt definitely extraterrestrial 
but then all of a sudden it was it felt huh it felt lower than the human let me quote you on this because this is brilliant thank you for introing this <laughs> this is what you said caroline after emerging from the crop circle you say advanced technology does not necessarily mean advanced spiritually or a higher level of consciousness this is how you sort of after you emerge this is what you felt and this is what you had to say about that you felt like this was not necessarily the highest spiritual integrity absolutely not but you know how we also have this preconceived idea that anything that's extraterrestrial anything that we cannot see anything that's high-tech is better than human so that's what I thought was so interesting and surprising that not only it was an extraterrestrial consciousness that did all of this mm -hmm. amazing technology people will see that but it felt smaller like even lower than the human imagine right. that and that's what i felt was wow i couldn't i couldn't even imagine have a consciousness even lower <laughs> you know speaking yeah. of being misaligned so that was isn't very that interesting. interesting so hmm if this is what you were definitively picking up after coming from out of this crop circle and we're looking at the whole history of perhaps authentic crop circles and there being a reason for them on this planet some form of communication or message that we're assuming uh, they're trying to get to us what do you think would be <laughs> the reason to have something because they obviously were aware well I, I, I don't want to say obviously aware what would this mean <laughs> in other words yeah. if it was of a lower yeah. so, spiritual consciousness if you felt you felt that way yeah actually you know I was still kind of trying to feel like what what that consciousness was and why they were doing it and I felt that this crop I don't know if we should you know kind of let people discover the the actual scrub circle stuff I guess it doesn't matter in the film but um, I felt that this crop circle was actually not finished it's oh. as if it was a child oh, ET, interesting. who kind of went in there kind of snuck in at night and started doing something and couldn't finish it got caught and kind of ran away it was kind of like that and if you if you look at it again you will probably pick that up that it wasn't finished I got that sense. Well, yes. you know, we spoke yes. before we went on camera, mm -hmm. and I said, "Do we want to talk about the? Can, can you can you give us the scoop on on yeah. air or off? Yeah. Because the feeling that I got, Caroline, after you so brilliantly zoomed out, and you're in the middle of the Caroline's in the middle of the crop circle, and the the, the drone is going up, giving the viewer perspective uh, of that you couldn't even see, frankly. Exactly. So I had the advantage of I had the purview of seeing the entire crop circle, and what I first got there there's and I want to give away everything but there's some very interesting symbols that are sort of on the per perimeter of the circle and yet maybe what I was sensing is that it wasn't finished exactly it was unfinished like kind of off like uh, uh, like I said I, I felt like it was a group of not a group maybe three two or three of kids like younger ET, <laughs> low vibration, snuck in, did some stuff, got caught, left. Well, this opens <laughs> up a whole nother can of worms yeah, now, doesn't it? Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah. I say you should develop an entire film around that crop circle. We'll see. Is there a name for this particular crop circle? Do you name it? it you know what? I asked Barbara because she, she yes. was there with me at the time. Oh, was she? And I told her, I said, Barbara, did you go into that crop circle the next day? And she couldn't remember it. She didn't, uh, she couldn't remember. Uh, and she couldn't, and I cannot find it on that main website. In fact, I thought that was very bizarre because it's in the film, so it was there, and we cannot find any like kind of records of it. Nobody remembers it or can talk about it. <laughs> so isn't that, that well? It. That in and of itself is a little curious, now, isn't it? I know. Did you get to see any other crop circles while you were there? I did. I did, um, and the energy was slightly different. But you mm. know, those uh, there has been that had been a lot of traffic before I got there. Mm -hmm. So the one that was really fresh was the one that's in the film, but the others. You know, so you could feel a combination of human and ET hmm. energy already kind of all mixed in. Fabulous yeah. <laughs> is all I can say. Well, we're winding down. Um, again, so many other different aspects we can talk about. There's the, again, the, the telepathic part is very, it's very important. All of the aspects that you illuminate are critical to understanding this much bigger picture. But before we close, let's t go back to the telepathy part again. And the way you explain that, that it seems that telepathy is the primary mode of communication between what I like to call the NHIs, the non-human intelligences, <laughs> because I do think they're myriad, and the individuals, the experiencers. But you also intimate that it may be more than just the fact that that's just the way they communicate, but a teaching tool to prepare Homo sapien sapien for their new, what will become their primary mode of communication, and that's telepathic. Did I get that right? Yes, absolutely. Well, so telepathy, though, it's kind of like the basic um, understanding of how this, this uh, uh, or the basis of all of communication, but there's also just energy transfer and in fact that's what we prove with the DNA experiments so this is where uh, the actual consciousness of the f an entire frequency mm -hmm. of an intelligence that is more evolved is integrating is infiltrating within the human consciousness to evolve it to bring it to a higher level so that is also a form of communication right so again, the human brain and the universal brain. And the universal brain. All, all, all different levels. The macro and the micro. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And the micro is nothing more to me than a reflection of the macro. It's a holographic principle. The whole is contained in the parts. So really the universal brain is a part of, as William, I think it was William Blake that said, the universe is in a grain of sand. So if we liken our <laughs> physical brain to that grain of sand, the universal brain is within it. How's that? Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, we're just about out of time, but I want to um, I want to congratulate you for just a brilliant job. The quality is superb. The imaging, the music, everything about it, and and, it, it, and a package uh, that's beautiful, but so important in shifting the paradigm of mankind. This film was screened yesterday. We're still here. Joshua Tree, uh, California for the Contact in the Desert, beautiful conference, and it was screened yesterday to a, a large audience in the, in the big venue over here. And it's going to be, I, I think you made the one of the, you were the official selection for the Philip K. Dick 
Sci-Fi Film Festival in New York City on my birthday, May 28th. I yes. wish I could be there, you but should. congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you so much. It's, this you. is just great. We're going to spread the word about this film. I think everyone needs to see it. But tell us, where can people access the film? So they can go to godsamongus.com, which okay. is the main website, and they can just go to the events page and they can see where it's screening okay. and all of the information there. And you've got some follow-ups coming up, right? Can, yes. can I ask what you're working on next? Well, actually, this is going to be a series because ah. it's, we've had such success with the science and how it all came together, and the response and the feedback has been amazing. And I'm talking from all different angles, from film, uh, you know, perspective, but also production perspective, but also from, you know, the folks who are interested in UFOs and things like that, consciousness, but also the scientific community. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very excited, and you're going to continue. So if Beautiful. people are interested, if people have experiences, for example, and they want to tell us about it, they can also on the same website, godsamongus.com, okay. they can go to community and fill out the information. That's great. And we can try to... We'll make sure to have maybe the, yeah. the slash page linked as well. Perfect. So, Perfect. well, what can I say, Carolyn Corey? Congratulations, <laughs> my dear. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is brilliant. Godsamongus.com. Go there right now and um, enjoy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank and you for having me. Thank you all for being here, too. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. What I found most enlightening about this film is not just that non-human intelligence is here and that we are absolutely linked to them in some way, but how we are reminded that our inherent power to create, to translate, and to literally travel the stars is also within our reach. Perhaps that's why they are here, to show us. Isn't it time we finally pay attention and give this matter the importance that it deserves? Our survival may just depend on it. Please have a look at Caroline Corey's film, Gods Among Us, and see what her amazing thesis awakens in you. As always, I thank you for tuning in to Higher Journeys. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.